Welcome back to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast. I am your host, Kevin Murphy. In our last episode, we began discussing the five principles of Catholic identity in education. Now, these are the elements that the Catholic Church expects to find in every Catholic school. And this is important because as parents, we are often left with the task of weeding out which school is faithful and which is lacking. And sometimes you might not know the status of a school until it's too late. You're already enrolled. And so it's important for us to ask up front so that you know exactly what it is you're buying or investing in. In fact, I would make note of these principles and use them as a barometer for any Catholic school I'm considering sending my child to. In our first episode, we tackled the first two principles of Catholic identity and education, inspired by divine mission and modeling Christian community. Now, inspired by divine mission means the school has a bigger view of education than simply the accumulation of knowledge that moves you toward some worldly success. The Catholic school, in contrast, recognizes the divine mission of making disciples and teaching them, which is the command at the end of Matthew's gospel. We also discussed the second principle, that a Catholic school should model Christian community. Now, this is one of the most attractive attributes of attending Catholic schools. To this day, my Catholic elementary school, which happened to be a few years ago that I attended, My Catholic elementary school friends, we gather for an occasional event and we celebrate and remember those things that we shared. That has an indelible mark on a young person's life. If you didn't catch the first two, the first part of this discussion, I should say, the first two principles of Catholic identity, go to the cardinalnewmansociety.org. That's cardinal. Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N, society.org. Click on the newsroom tab at the top, and from there you can navigate to our podcast and access our archive. Again, that's cardinalnewmansociety.org. Now, joining me for part two of our discussion is Dr. Dan Guernsey. Dan is a 30-year veteran of faithful Catholic education. He has seen and done it all. And so Dan is going to come back and share with us the remaining three principles. Going back on this, the first one is inspired by divine mission. The second one is modeling Christian community. And then the third one is encounters Christ in, in prayer and the sacraments, um, which, which is, I, I think, just paramount. This is one of the things I always found frustrating as a parent when you would sign up to go to a Catholic school and they would look at something like prayer, the sacraments, going to mass as 
somehow inflicting upon your academic pursuits. Yes, and the future of my child. Yes, or or my students or my my grades. Yes. So this again, this is something. On one level, it's very clear that Catholic schools, you know, need to be doing this. Need to be presenting prayer, scripture, sacrament, and along these lines too is is an environment which encourages those things through images, you know, crucifixes, uh, artwork, statues, th- those type of things. So all this is part of the Catholic um, uh, expectation for her schools that they look and feel like Catholic schools, so that you walk in, you have a sense that this is a, a different yeah. type of school. So a lot of schools get that as far as the the accoutrements up there. Um, uh, we, we, you know, we're bad. We're through the bad days of the late 60s and 70s where, where schools thought they actually had to remove imagery. Um, I think. Are, are, we, are we? Okay. <laughs> I do believe we are. Okay. <laughs> I do think there's a more openness to like, there's some, there's some value to having beautiful pictures and, and uh, statuary in our schools. Um, but to your point of what, where Catholic schools fall short is um not appreciating how fundamental it is, how fundamental it is for for schools to become places where where te- where students learn how to worship the Father uh, through liturgy. And this is straight out of um, the the Vatican II's document, Gravissima Educationis, which is uh, the core document of Catholic education. It says we have to open their hearts in confidence to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through personal and liturgical prayer. So this is what we're commanded to do by the church as part of our mission. And so if we get there and say, yeah, you know, we really can't have mass more than once a month because it's cutting into, you know, our other our other activities. It's fundamental to what we're supposed to be doing. And if we are supposed to be opening their hearts in confidence, we need to be doing that every day. And as and as I would say with liturgical prayer, I can't imagine being able to do that without mass once a week, unless there was some reason you, it was impossible to have mass once a week. Mm-hmm. But the idea, that I think, some of the, the Catholic schools are now figuring out ways to do daily mass, uh, if uh, if possible. Um, and that's now that arguably that's very intense. Um, but it's happening and being very fruitful. But certainly, Catholic schools and parents need to know kind of how to. It's part of our mission, you know. Uh, a certain out number of hours in in geometry is not part of our mission per se. Teaching math is, but we might be able to cut a few minutes from a math or a science or a literature class or whatever to to, to worship the Father uh, liturgically. And so I think that's important that that, that schools have to stay on those fronts. Um, so Dan, you mentioned earlier about the number of people now that are, are coming into Catholic schools, I think you mentioned this in passing, that are no longer, that, that meant not that they're no longer Catholic, but that they're coming into the Catholic schools and they're not Catholic. And I think the latest statistics show something like 20% of students <laughs> in K-12 are not Catholic. And so what you encounter a lot of times at the schools is a Hey, in order to make somebody else feel comfortable, we need to we need to back off of those things, you know, of right. of of scripture. Uh, maybe maybe scripture is good, maybe it isn't. Um, having mass, maybe it's good, maybe it isn't. So, how do you address that? What would you say to people like that? Yeah, I think again, what we do is is as as when non Catholics join our our schools, and they are certainly welcome to and encouraged to, they're joining up for the mission, and so that's again why having all of these 
principles and the, and the elements of our mission defined up front and clear is very helpful because you don't want to have a, a, a strong Southern Baptist who's offended by Mary coming to the school and then being uncomfortable when we're all saying the rosary. Right. Um, you know, you got to know that this is what we do or, or having Eucharistic adoration uh, that, that we want to make sure that we're, we're upfront and clear about why we do this and why that's so essential. Um, but I, again, I would, I would also say that, uh, you know, to your point, the other statistics we, we, we have, which are just tragic, are that the students who are in our schools, the Catholic families that are going to our schools aren't going to weekly mass. I think you know, the number is less than a third. Yeah, so, it's actually you know the the according to Cara, um, in my lifetime, mass attendance, at least once a week, has gone from something about fifty five percent of Catholic households down to seventeen percent of Catholic right. households. And those are the households who are sending their kids to our school. Like, I think it goes up a little bit when they come to our schools, but some households, it's so bad out there that it, it becomes a real problem for Catholic schools um, <laughs> because the kids are not getting formed in the, either in their homes or, or even the kids aren't even getting to weekly mass on Sundays. So, um, you know, the dynamic in some schools, if, if they're able to have weekly mass is, you know, at least, you know, some students, they think that they, they've uh, uh, met their Sunday obligation because they go to mass on Wednesday at school, which is absolutely not the case. But we can see that's how bad it is, that if we don't give them mass at some capacity, if we don't make this a priority, it's not going to happen. And if they're, and if they're not encountering Christ, which is what we you know, remember Benedict thinks that the school is a place for students to encounter God, the father and to encounter Christ. Um, that happens par excellence in, in the, in the sacraments. And so um, it's essential for Catholic schools really to put a heavy um, emphasis on access to the Eucharist, uh, both um, in its, uh, in the liturgy and also by having Eucharistic chapels and also by engaging in Eucharistic adoration as frequently as possible. And, as you know, Kevin, the Cardinal Newman Society is taking a lead on this right now with its Eucharistic um, uh, initiatives. Yes, we have the the Eucharistic education efforts that we do because of the number of people that have said either they they do not understand the church's teaching, know what the church teaches, or do not believe in it uh, in its fullness. And so we've taken on uh, some extra efforts to help. Um, you know, to help bolster the efforts of the USCCB during this time. So you can go to our Cardinal Newman Society website and look those up. One of the things we're trying to do is get schools to uh, share with us their their objectives and some of the things that they might be enacting in their schools to help, you know, with this, you know, whether it be Eucharistic education, Eucharistic adoration, or whether it be something where you're bringing assignments home and discussing them with your parents, um, all kinds of things that we can do to to, to bump that up. This is the year uh, for Eucharistic revival. So that's what we're trying to do with it. Yeah. And as I mentioned, my Catholic schooling was, was so um, inept, right. That we didn't, you know, I mentioned we didn't, I never opened a Bible in my four years of, mm. Catholic. I did a lot of sitting around on beanbags talking about things. Um, <laughs> that, uh, was yeah, the well, the that was the 60s or the 70s. That was the 80s. Was, that the was 80s. You're still in beanbags in the 80s, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> pillows, you know, <laughs> But, um, but, hey, I like those beanbags, man. We had those in our reading classes. So go ahead. But again, in my school, I I didn't. I graduated Catholic high school. Again, a, a high end prep school. Um, it's amazing. One of the best sports programs in the country. Um, without 
understanding that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. Mm. So that was one of those things that once I got to college and ran across people who actually believed in it and could explain it and then actually took classes and read the church fathers, I was like, that was when the scales came off and I go, they never told me. They, you know, and they never put emphasis on the liturgy enough to even let me see through it. And, you know, hmm. and Man. similarly, I got, I got through four years of Catholic high school as a sincere, you know, Christian, I wasn't a bad kid. I was a sincere, you know, right. young man. I was never confirmed. How does that happen? Oh, Dan, I mean, this is How heart, it's heartbreaking. You know, the, uh, I, when I went to the grade school, I went to, we did mass. And even though I never, and this is something I've said, never did anybody tell me that Jesus Christ founded a church mm. and that that church uh, is the fullness of faith, right? Never did I hear anything like that, but we had mass. And I can remember serving at mass. And some of my, my favorite times looking back was serving at mass. We'd also serve funeral masses. Um, we always thought it was interesting. It was, a lot of fun. You could get out of school, so to speak, to go serve a mass. Yeah. That was, I mean, but that, those kinds of subtle things, they have an impact on a kid. Yeah. 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 And, but we, but we, yeah, we can't assume that just because they're in a Catholic school that they are getting a sacramental, a sacramental life. What we, one of the things that happened at our little school here in Ave Maria is we have a very fine pastor here and he met individually with every student in our school and was able to affect uh, three baptisms of not just kids, but the families. Cause he asked, he asked oh. every single student. And they and had been there and been, not been baptized. Yeah. And we forget to ask. And I'm guilty of this too. So we just forget wow. to ask. <laughs> just say, wow. do you want do you want in? Do you want the fullness? Mm. And then also as Catholic schools, you know, we need to celebrate when our students do get confirmed and when they do get baptized and when they do make their first communions, even though it's happening in the parishes, because remember we're part of the community. We don't do this as a school. But as a school, are we celebrating those things? Is it in the announcements? Is it is is it on the boards? Is it is it in the classrooms that we're celebrating? Um, so that the so that the students don't miss out or just skate through. So there's a real lot of work that needs to be done in this area of the sacramental life within schools. And there's again a lot of low hanging fruits and opportunities um, to reach that. So we don't want to think that just because we've got the pictures on the wall now that we're okay, or we start with prayer that we're okay. Um, and then the liturgy needs to be beautiful and present and rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another element we could spend a lot of time on because, um, you know, weaving the students into the liturgical celebration uh, through music, through uh, the reading of the scriptures, um, through serving at mass, um, all those types of things, I think, are very powerful. You know, I mean, I've known people that as they got older in life, left the church through whatever circumstance, but that being in those environments and experiencing that are something that they never forgot. And if they come back, they'll say some of those things had a lasting impact on them. Yeah. And I think one of the things, again, that I think we hopefully have been through, but uh, coming to see more with, with uh, again, devotion to the Eucharist that Carl Lumensai is working so hard on right now is it's an understanding of of both the closeness of Christ in the Eucharist and his his majesty and his beauty 
And so I think back again, when, when we were going through, the idea was, uh, was okay, let's get the kids involved in mass by having them, you know, uh, prepare it and come up with the readings and come up with the music. And it's just like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. I mean, I'll admit right here, you know, I was involved in campus ministry at our school. So, you know, they had me planning a mass. I actually had them play Neil Diamond as the, on tape at the entrance song <laughs> to an all school mass. Oh my goodness. What which one? Which one did you, which Neil Diamond song? Jonathan Livingston Siegel, <laughs> one of those songs. It was so inappropriate. And I'm like, why were they letting me do that? I didn't even know Jesus was in the Eucharist. I mean, come on. What are they? So anyway, this idea of really, you know, as, as, you know, as the saying goes, as we, you know, as we pray, we'll believe. And, and so we, we have to really elevate the prayer and let the kids know this is sacred. This is beyond you. This is not something you're making up that's designed, you know, you put your little your little personal flair on it. Mm. This is actually you entering into the mystery of the Trinity and the mystery of the mass of the ages. So anyway, it, it's, this, it's this approaching things that not to say, well, if they're not a Eucharistic minister, they're not participating. So there's a, there's a deeper understanding of what's happening in the liturgy that our students are hungry for. And that they'll they'll come to mass if it's something that they can't do by themselves or do anywhere else. If it's something that's given to them, they'll come and get it. Wow. Yeah. Well, if it's holy, holy, we're we're okay. <laughs> uh, so, so let's move on to our uh, our fourth principle. So that I mean, there's so much in each of these principles, Dan, that we could literally take uh, the the podcast and do one at a time because they're so powerful. But this. This this one, uh, encountering Christ in prayer, scripture, and the sacrament, it sounds just like yes, we we should that sh that should be a no brainer, but it's increasingly becoming something that we have to remind ourselves of, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, it's, so it's, let's let's go to number four, Dan. Number four um, is to in integrally form the human person. Now. That is again a loaded phrase. Help, help, help uh, unpack this a bit. Well, again, this is where Catholic schools shine, especially in the modern age, right? We integrally form the human person. The first question we have to ask then is, what is the human person? If uh, Anthony Eslin says, if we don't get man right, we won't get education right. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got to know who and what man is. You've got to know what we're educating man to become. What, how are we made? What are we made for? These are fundamental questions, which the Catholic school answers with great clarity and mystery, saying that we are spiritually incarnated. We are spiritually and incarnate beings, right? We are mind, body, soul integrated. We cannot separate ourselves out into these different components we can distinguish but we can't separate and the modern uh heretical culture especially seen as in in um uh ideological um transgenderism and ideology ideological homosexuality is all about separating the human person from uh the mind body spirit unity that they're supposed to be and so that's why fundamentally what we're doing is focusing on the mind body and spirit and again, this is the only way human beings actually exist because it's the only way we're actually made. So in our non-Catholic schools, in our public schools, they're still dealing with mind, body, spirit beings. They just can't deal with them openly and honestly and in the fullness of God's revelation. So God bless our public school counterparts that are doing their best under difficult circumstances. But without the guidance of, of, of uh, 
the church and Christ, we can lose sight of who we are as human, as human beings and what our relationship is to our bodies. So this is something, again, Catholic schools do well. And so when we take our students, we don't just uh, dissect them into, okay, we're going to do the mind over here in your algebra class, and then we're going to do your body over here in your PE class, and then we're going to do your spirit over here in your virtue class or in your theology class. You know, it's, it's, it's you're one at all times, and we are going to celebrate you and touch on every aspect of your person so that you wind up as this beautiful, united human person, which is how God made us. So it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing that we've really lost sight of as our culture. Yeah, because, you know, when you, you think about, there's one, let's just say in the topic of pro-life, per se, the topic of pro-life is that people can, can get behind the concept of pro-life. But this, this being able to communicate the dignity of the human person and the idea of being made in the image and likeness of God once you once you understand that and you recognize your own dignity because of that, then everything on the outside seems to change, right? It's like putting yes. on a different pair of glasses. Yes. And without it, everything falls apart. And that's and, what we're seeing today, right, exactly. Dan? I mean, isn't that exactly what's happening today? It's exactly what's happening. And in the best Catholic schools, if we can realize, if we start doing this and really do Catholic well, People will flock to us. They're hungry for. They've seen it doesn't work. So, but but again, this idea is that everything we're doing is integrated in this understanding of the unity of the human person, and also then in integrating into the intellectual life with the spiritual life, the cultural life with the spiritual life, the intellectual life with the cultural life. We are we are coming at life and at reality as these, you know, fully activated. Um, wonderfully and fearfully mysteriously made beings and so that's what we just embrace it and we celebrate it we're going to take a quick break in the meantime listen to our friend dr richard ludwig president of university of saint thomas in houston texas The Newman Guide is one of those things that is sort of a seal of approval, right? I think families use that as a means of, of sort of vetting whether or not an institution is a place where they would feel comfortable with their students attending. And for students, it's a really good understanding that they're going to find the kinds of students that they want to study with, learn with, and live with. And so for us, that's been a really great uh, shorthand, if you will, for students and families and for the university itself, that impact has been a really big one. One of the things that I, I mentioned at the top of this podcast was the letter from Pope Benedict XVI on the urgent task of educating young people. And this was written, uh, you know, 16 years ago now, coming up on 16 years in January of, of 2024. But you just said it there. Are the, you know, when he says when the foundations are shaken, um, essential certainties are lacking. The impelling need for those values once again make themselves felt. So the request for an education, which is truly such, is in fact increasing. 
And when, when they say he starts going through and says, well, parents are asking for it. Teachers are asking for it. Our society is asking for it. And even, ch- even children and young people are asking for it in their inmost being because the idea of truly faithful Catholic education is on the rise and in demand. And when people see it, it clearly differentiates what they experience everywhere else. Amen. But Amen. let me ask you something. How does a Catholic educator, if, if, if that's so apparent to us, Dan, why is that not something embraced by Catholic educators in the way that they communicate themselves and differentiate themselves from any other educational option? Mm. Yeah, I, and again, I, I, think, I think most Catholic educators are doing this. You just can't do it enough. And you just, and, and kind of remembering, oh yeah, this is it. This, I mean, it's like a, it, 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 it can, you know, in, invigorate and inspire to go back and remember what, what's to, but this is, this is where that idea of the Catholic educator as witness comes back into so important because the, the educator is the stable source of example and harmony to the student who's going through growth developments and questioning and and all sorts of um, uh, changes in their life, which is natural and normal. Uh, it's the educator who has to be formed and present and uh, available to the students as a model of an integrated person, mind, body, and spirit, and how they're living their life and approaching reality. And then and then letting the students and then holding the students accountable, saying, "No, this is it matters how we comport ourselves. It matters how we look." at each other it how it matters how we look to each other uh we have to we have to embrace our humanity which is which is under attack and i think many many people are seeing now that there's um this is good news it is good news now now have it abundantly dan um the quote disintegration of public education almost to this point we have to we have to say is it's not just an alternative, but a but danger. It's dangerous because it does disintegrate the person. It doesn't. It's not teaching and talking about things as you are, as a, as a uh, integrally forming forming the human person, body, body, mind, and spirit. It's not doing that. It's 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 segmenting those. So you, you, like you said, and, and then the person doesn't get a consistent image of who they are. Correct. Right. Yeah, the, and, the, the the stakes are too high right now. To if there's if you, have, if you have access to a Catholic education, that's good. The stakes are too high not to take advantage of it. And for Catholic educators, the stakes are too high not to do it well and not to focus on exactly what we're we're trying to do and then countering the the spirit of the age, which is destroying so many of our our children and and so much of the of uh, 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 a healthy worldview. So, um, and again, to our public school friends, again, it's not that they're very good, many good Catholics and Christian teachers in the public school doing the best they can. Unfortunately, they're just somewhat hamstrung, but you can still, it's great mission territory for those who are called to work in the public schools to do what they can, both as role models and uh, without violating um, laws to to try to bring this message of hope and this unity of the human person uh, into the, 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 into the world wherever they can. Uh, I just enjoy having the freedom to do it in a, in a Catholic school without having any breaks or any, any hesitation. So Catholic educators have to do it fully. Public school educators need to do what they can, but they're working against a stacked deck at the moment. 
and I just want to say this one, you know, as a, as a time in, as, as Catholic schools have the opportunity to look at these, these principles. And by the way, they are on our website at Cardinal Newman society.org. That's Cardinal Newman society.org and look for the principles of Catholic identity and education. Um, it's actually on the front page. All you have to do is scroll down at Cardinal Newman society.org and Newman is with a W N E W M A N. So, so check that out. So, I think if you go in and you look at these things, these are the answer right now to me, Dan, because education is is getting uh, higher and higher scrutiny. People are starting to recognize the ideologies that are being, uh, you know, perpetrated on on unsuspecting students, on parents, and you know, um, you and I have talked about this, Dan. I think you actually. Uh, put it in one of your stories for our magazine, Our Catholic Mission. But, you know, parents are at the end of the day, man, they're working. They got all these things going on. They're tired and they want the school to take, you know, control in many ways, but they, they can't remove themselves completely. Uh, correct. But the, and also we need our good Catholic educators in schools to step forward to help our parents out, help them, help them out. So we will do whatever we can. But you're correct. At the end of the day, the, the parents, you know, we work with the parents. We can't, we can't substitute for, for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The, the, so there's this idea that, that, you know, as you mentioned with um, Pope, Pope Benedict, when he, when he looked at the crisis of education back just 2016, 20 years ago, he was, he, he articulated part of it as being the inability of the young people to make a commitment yes. to the gospel, to make a commitment to the moral life that they under they, they understood it somewhat, but that they were having trouble making that full commitment. So that was on that was Benedict's uh, crisis of education. Interestingly enough, which I think serves as a transition to the next principle, is Pope Francis's articulation of the educational crisis is in a loss of transcendence. So I, I think for, what Pope Francis has picked up on is that things have slid even further. So what Pope Francis's uh, view on education is that we're so far gone in our ability to evangelize that we need just people understanding that there's a transcendent element to the human person in order to, to, to lay the groundwork for the possible seeding of the gospel. Mm. So they say we're so far now lost in a material relativistic world that we have to recapture a sense of the transcendent so that the gospel can be received. So this gets to this this fifth principle of Catholic identity, which is we inter, integrally impart a Christian understanding of the world. So, uh, you know, to your point about different ideologies working to form students, arguably, all Catholic, all education is presenting a worldview to students by what they say, by what they don't say, by what they teach, by what they don't teach. The important thing for parents to have that freedom to, to raise their children as they see fit is that everybody is forthright about what they are doing and why they're doing it. It's when it's hidden or not above board or not consistent that the problems in education happen. So Catholic education is very clear that yes, we are trying to influence the student. We are trying to form them. You know what? We are presenting them with a worldview. And here's our worldview. If you think this worldview is faulty, then you, this is part of our mission. So find a school that gives the worldview that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But don't let's not be naive about this idea that there's any sort of neutrality. There just really can't be. 
You're either either things matter or they don't matter. Either truth, beauty, and goodness matter or they don't matter. Either there is reality or truth or there's not. So all these things matter. So what we get to is with, with this idea of imparting a Christian understanding of the world is this intellectual, spiritual, moral framework, which the students then use to interpret reality and anticipate and appreciate the truth and meaning of everything that's around them. So there are other worldviews which say nothing has meaning. The meaning is only decided by the individual. In the Catholic worldview, we go back to this idea that everything has meaning because everything comes from the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And once one understands that, then one gets to the understanding of, oh my gosh, there is truth and there is a unity to truth that all truth comes from and eventually will find its way back to the Father, Son, and the Spirit, which is the source of all. In Jesus, we live, we move, we have our being. So it's amazing stuff, but this is what we do. And again, this is so rich and it's so valuable. Yeah, so imparting this Christian or, 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 or Catholic understanding of the world, in real life, Dan, in the classes and the things that people are going through every day, how can we make sure that this, I mean, if I'm a teacher out there and I'm teaching whatever, um, as I said, gym, science, English, you are an English teacher. Let's take English. I'm teaching English, right? How do I ensure that I'm not dissecting things, making it a disintegrated pr presentation, but I'm also, a, you know, presenting this, this holistic Catholic worldview? How do I do that daily? Well, I think uh, you know, John Newman, Cardinal Newman, wrote, wrote a lot of good stuff that can help us uh, with this aspect. You know, one thing is to realize that, you know, the, the, you know, everything exists, you know, in Christ and is for him and, and finds it's, it holds together in him. But that doesn't mean that you can't actually spend some time just learning chemical and mathematical formulas. Good. That, Good that you, know, it, not, you know, that the only way to do math is to count, you know, apostles. There's... <laughs> The Catholic worldview says there's more than there's more than that. So there is a place for just the understanding of literature and how a sonnet works and what this poet said and 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 what this you know English movement of English literature meant at this time. But it's okay to do that to to, to distinguish. Mm -hmm. But at the end, the real excitement, or not the real excitement, a real excitement is when everything becomes reintegrated back then again and back into the whole so that so that poetry uh, and uh, as Dorothy Sayers would say, a detective novel can be related back to algebra and mm -hmm. inductive and deductive thinking and all of this stuff. So it makes learning so much more rich. So what Cardinal Newman says is every discipline has to be academic discipline needs to be respected for what it is and function according to its own internal rules and sympathies. But then again, they're also related to everything else. And so they can't be completely cordoned off. They have to, um, they have to perfect each other and be open to the proper degree to each other so that math is speaking to science, is speaking to theology, is speaking to literature, uh, is speaking to philosophy. So this is this great conversation because, and then ultimately, if we want to go back, if it's of interest, we can go back to the to the unity of all things in Christ. Um, but that's, so that's what we want to do. So back to your point for Catholic educators, what we have to do is just remember that there is a transcendent reality. I think getting back to uh, truth, beauty, and goodness can be taught is present in every discipline and every subject and everything that exists. So there is always a time 
in which you can take a moment back and explore those. You don't have to do that. That's not the only thing you do, but you can always do it. And that's reintegrates and uh, uh, invigorates instruction. You know, it's interesting. It's almost like the, in these, in these five principles of Catholic identity and education, it's, it's a little bit like uh, the, the scriptures in the sense that one scripture illuminates uh, uh, the other and they work together. Although you're explaining each one of these five principles individually, there, there is a connection oh, yeah. um, uh, between each of the five, right? I mean, you know, the idea, the idea of, of evangelization of the culture and for the common good of society is, yeah. is also connected to this idea of communion and creating a communion or a, a, a quote, family type thing, like you mentioned right, earlier. Right, it's connected to communal worship. That's right. <laughs> That's is, right. Which is prayer. Yeah. Right, yeah. which is connected to, to, with, to who we are as integral human persons. As we said, we are, we are mind, body, spirit unities, but we were also made with and for communion and community. We don't make any sense apart from communion with Christ and the Trinity. We don't make any sense. Right. So that's our destiny. So again, all this stuff, yeah, it does come back together. But, but to the point is, is with, with Catholic educators, right, is, is that we want to get back to, to, to what we're doing while we're teaching math and science and history somewhat like the other schools, we're also doing it in pursuit of truth. We're doing it in pursuit of this integration of culture with faith and faith with living. We're, in, we're doing it with this sense that it's not just knowledge, but also wisdom that we're looking for. We're doing it with the sense that our, our students are these intellectual, creative, and aesthetically wired uh, human persons. And we want to tug on all of those uh, different elements as best we can, and then make sure that they're never being totally unraveled. Dan, this has uh, been a fascinating conversation. I want to I want to thank you for taking the time to go through these, you know, the principles of Catholic identity. As I mentioned uh, during our conversation, are on the website of the Cardinal Newman Society. You can go in there and you can check them out. Um, we will be having Dan back again for another program if he if he would uh, be so good as to grace us again in the future. Is that okay, Dan? It'd be my pleasure. All right. Well, thank you. God bless you. Um, we're coming close to the holidays at the recording of this uh, podcast. So we want to say God bless Dan, his family, especially as he's devoted 30 years to pro to promoting and defending faithful Catholic education before even joining the Cardinal Newman Society, but really helping us out to make sure that everybody gets a faithful Catholic education. If you'd like to learn more about how you can help promote and defend faithful Catholic education, go to cardinalnewmansociety.org. Also, if you're interested in promoting and defending faithful Catholic education wherever it is found, subscribe to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>